Damn, I love that song. Thank, <laughs> Thank you all for tuning in to the uh, Full Contact podcast. We have our full crew here tonight. We're here on Wednesday night. Normally we do Thursdays, but obviously tomorrow is Turkey Day. So we want to make sure everybody is sober enough to listen to us. You have myself, as always, Shree Phillips Keaton, along with my co-host, Nick Sapina, and uh, our third guy who... He's always a part of the show, but, you know, he's got stuff to do. But Brian Clay, how does it feel to be back, man? Hey, man, uh, I don't think people should be sober when they listen to us. I think we should specifically make them drunk when they listen to us, though, that they'll listen to us more. Wait, wait. Are we trying to say that we're so bad that they have to drink to listen <laughs> to us? Saying. Or we just encourage drinking while listening to it? I imagine to I imagine most people are sober when they listen to us. So we to build a bigger audience, why not try the why not go to the other side of the fence and see how the other half lives? Why don't okay. we? Why don't we reach out to our alcoholic fan base? Well, we are equal opportunity podcasters, so <laughs> I'm not we are accepting of all. <laughs> I'm not discriminating. Yeah, ah, no. we're just saying that it's a. We're just saying it's such an easy ride that I mean, you're gonna get your information whether you're sober or you're inebriated. You're gonna get what we're giving to you, and we have a jam packed show, obviously, because we have Brian Black. Uh, back so we'll have some more conversations uh first we have some quick hitters for you which uh nick will do the honors once it's his time um we'll spend about half this show talking about nba free agency uh just some big moves that happened i mean nothing really happened with the sixers but i guess we're gonna end up talking about that and then cap the show off with previewing the two games we still have for thanksgiving but first we'll go into the uh, quick hitters actually before that nick i didn't ask you how you were how, how are you doing man shreve i am downright sensational oh, wow. i've been playing my playstation 5 which i am first of all very grateful and lucky to have but i've had a lot of fun with it so far um i've played just a, a few minutes of the spider-man miles morales game and i have to say that thing is nothing short of spectacular the graphics the uh, the effort that was put into that game is you know it's huge and it's very evident. I'm having a good time. So that's not pretty to, much where I'm at right now, Sharif. Not to be outdone, your effort to just get the PlayStation Five in the first place was the most compelling story I read on Twitter all week. And I've had presidential recounts, I've had I've had uh, hockey trades and things like that going on. But no, I was more interested about how you. You're trying to get the PlayStation 5. <laughs> I was not going to be denied either. Oh, like I, I was like LeBron at the rim, and nothing was going to stop me. Nothing. <laughs> well, here you are, $500 later. Do you, do, you regret, <laughs> do you regret the purchase? I'm not going to lie. I felt, I felt some buyer's guilt. Oh, I boy. did. <laughs> but do I regret it? Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> well, great. For you to have gotten the PS5, Nick, and obviously you made Brian's day on the timeline. Uh, <laughs> so before we go into our first main topic of NBA free agency, Nick, will you please do the honors of doing the quick hitters for us? Sharif, I would love to. Now, it's time for this week's edition of Quick Hitters. All right. The list for uh, pro, uh, pro Football Hall of Fame semifinalists has come in. And it is highlighted by guys like Peyton Manning, Charles Woodson, and Calvin Johnson. So a pretty good uh, crop of Hall of Fame fi- uh, semifinalists this year. Um, John Wall has not requested a trade, says Washington Wizards GM. Ex-Pittsburgh Steelers linebacker Ryan Chazier 
started a nonprofit for spinal cord injury patients. So just something cool to look out for. And as, as we all know, he has struggled with his own spinal cord injury. So good that he's giving back to the community in that way. Um, one of the big topics, and this is a little bit more ambiguous, is the projected 2021 NFL draft order. Uh, as of right now, the New York Jets lead the way, but the Jacksonville Jaguars are in contention for that number one pick, which is presumably, as it stands, Trevor Lawrence. So another situation worth monitoring if you are a Jacksonville Jaguars fan or a New York Jets fan. And lastly, the Baltimore Ravens and Pittsburgh Steelers game has been moved to Sunday. It was uh, previously scheduled for tomorrow, Thanksgiving, um, after several positive coronavirus tests. And even though you know this qualifies as a quick hitter, I did want to talk about this just briefly because this is kind of significant. Um, Sharif, I know that we talked about it before. How does like there was a situation earlier this season where the San Francisco 49ers had a ton of COVID positive tests and their game was not moved. So what's the deal here? Like, is this, is this right? Is it the right move to move this game? I don't think so. Um, or at least it just doesn't make sense based on precedent because I mean, not only have the San Francisco 49ers probably been more snake bitten than teams like the Philadelphia Eagles. And you can even say the Dallas Cowboys in terms of injuries. They also had a significant amount of guys being put on the reserve slash COVID-19 list, mostly because of being high risk, close, close contacts. Um, but the NFL looked in the face of the injuries and the uh, sidelines because of the COVID-19 and still say, you know what? Even the 49ers are banged up and the Packers are all healthy, even though I think they missed A.J. Dillon that game. You know, we're still going on Thursday night football. And then you look, you turn around three weeks later and a similar situation happens and probably is affecting less people on the Ravens. And the NFL is like, you know what, we're going to reschedule it for Sunday at 115th. I don't know. It, it's, it just doesn't match precedent. I don't really know what the NFL is going for here. Definitely agree. Brian, what are your thoughts on it? Hold on. I got some crap playing in my ear. <laughs> All right. So I'm, looking, <laughs> I'm trying to. This is a live podcast, everybody. I know. I know. I just thought I'd let everybody know what's going on. Uh, <laughs> um, I guess. I don't know. It's 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 hard to tell because this is like the literally the first time we've had to deal with something like this. Something like this is, is situational. So every situation is going to be different. Uh, as time goes along, I hope they have like better, a more coherent kind of a policy going forward. Um, I guess just because it's a short week and these guys are all testing positive like a couple days ago, might as well just give them a couple days, see if more more people test negative or more people test positive. I'm, I'm okay with moving the game. I'm just upset that it was like the only game, good game that was going to be playing tomorrow night. <laughs> Yeah, it was the game that I was looking forward to the most. Um, and one thing just to consider about this that is a little bit unfair for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, imagine they have now dealt with this twice, considering they also went through this with the Tennessee Titans earlier the earlier in this season. Now, I believe it is the Pittsburgh Steelers have to play on Sunday, and their next game after that will be another Thursday night game. So they're actually going to lose practice time somewhere in this mix. So that's a little bit of a shame. Um, but I do want to echo 
head coach Mike Tomlin's sentiments and and I I assume that the rest of the Steelers organization is taking this same mentality and that is that they do not care. They will face whatever challenge they're put up against and uh, good for them. So I guess without further ado, that ends all of the quick hitters. All right. Thank you for that, Nick and Brian, for offering your thoughts. First, we're going to go into NBA free agency. It's not done yet, but most of the big signings have happened. Um, We're going to cover a few of them and then we'll cover any takeaways. And we'll also talk about uh, the Lakers and the Sixers, what they did this offseason first. And maybe this is a personal one because I am a Celtics fan, but I wanted to go into Gordon Hayward uh, becoming an unrestricted free agent from the Celtics after the Celtics extended the deadline for him to make his decision on his $34 million uh, player option. He has signed a four-year $120 million deal with the Charlotte Hornets. Um, Before I give my take on it, Nick, uh, what were your thoughts on this signing? Well, I want to take this a couple of different ways because, first of all, I want to say good for Gordon Hayward, who obviously suffered a gruesome Gruesome ankle, uh, ankle, lower leg injury. Uh, what minutes into his uh, Boston Celtic tenure? Uh, so that was a tough thing for him to rebound from, and it never seemed like he got all the way there. So uh, it's good to see him get that kind of money and that kind of insurance. But on the flip side, I have to say, like Gordon Hayward was paid a lot of money, considering he hasn't shown that much since that injury. You know what I mean? So I was a little bit surprised. Um, and overall didn't love the move for the Hornets. I hope that in this role, like he will have a larger role than he did with the Celtics, but I was scratching my head a little bit at the money. All right, Brian, uh, what were your thoughts on this signing? Well, you know how I feel about big money signings. Nobody's worth that much money. Uh, but no, I'm happy for him. Obviously, you want to see the guy get back to the form that he was at back in Utah. Uh, obviously, the Boston Celtics thought they had something in him. And, you know, last last season, and I'm looking at his stats right now, he had 70 – he's shooting 33.3% from the three from three-point land, which is basically all the NBA is now. It's just chucking up three balls or whatever. It could be changing a little bit now that LeBron – took whatever team that was in LA and just made him into a winner. But I mean, for now, this is what the horns are going to have to do. They're going to have to do the three ball against the, they're going to have to play like golden state warrior basketball. So now you get a guy in Gordon Hayward who jumped his percentage from 33.3 of the previous season to 39.2. And you think, well, I mean, he played less games, but no, he, he hit 77 three pointers the previous season. And now this past season hit 74 and what is that quick math? I don't know what to do. 27 less games. That's, I think that's super impressive. So I think what the Hornets see is a guy who got knocked down by his gross injury and is rebounding. And now is trending back up to the direction that he was going to be in, in Boston. So I like the signing for, for the Hornets. They needed somebody there. So I like the idea. So uh, I think the signing was good for the Hornets. Obviously, um, the Hornets have not been very competitive ever. 
<laughs> or I mean, they they've made one playoff appearance in like the last ten to fifteen years or so. So they they've been mostly a rebuilding franchise. So getting someone like Gordon Hayward, especially after uh, drafting Lamelo Ball, uh, I mean, this team is interesting, especially when you think about guys who played last season who looked pretty good for them, like P.J. Washington, Devontae Graham, Terry Rozier. Terry Rozier is being talked about in free agency. Maybe he might leave, but if they keep him, that's even more firepower. Um, I, I've seen how some people look at this trade, or I'm sorry, this signing, rather, and it actually did turn into a signing trade. We'll get more details on that um, at a later time. But I don't think this really changes anything with the Celtics. I mean, Gordon Hayward's a nice player, but – for a guy to get paid basically the same contract he got to play for the Celtics and he missed over 120 games um, during his tenure, not through his own fault. Obviously, you can't predict when you're going to get a you know, gruesome ankle injury on live TV. But at the end of the day, um, you know, good for the Hornets. It's obviously a great signing given where they're at as a team. I think the Celtics will be able to pivot uh, pretty well. The next signing... I wanted to go into just because the circumstances were also interesting was uh former Sacramento Kings uh, guard Bogdan Bogdanovich. Yes. His first name is also included in his last name. Um, I'm sorry. He signed. A- <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> he was a. Ref- what, what was that? <laughs> what, was, what was funny? <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't, I don't get foreign customs, I guess. <laughs> what, is, what do we need for a kid? <laughs> How about the exact first like seven letters of our last name? Does that will that work for everybody? <laughs> I mean, it's pretty consistent. It's like it's like people with two first names. It's like you can't trust them. I don't, I don't know. So <laughs> you know what they um, say: two first that? names or is a real cl- uh, real crowd pleaser. <laughs> who is that? Who is that guy that won American Idol like all those years ago? And his he his first name was literally his last name too. It was like Philip Phillips or something like that, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think that is it. I think it's Philip Phillips. Phillips. Oh, great. I thought, I thought they were telling me like who won. And I thought they stuttered. I thought they were like, oh, Philip Phillips. I mean, Johnson won. <laughs> <laughs> so that is the case with Bogdan Bogdanovich. <laughs> um, he did sign an offer sheet for four years, $72 million with the Atlanta Hawks. Now, on its surface, this isn't a huge signing. Um, just because it's the Atlanta Hawks, but uh, Nick, wh- what were your takeaways from this signing? Well, I really liked it a lot, especially when you consider uh, everything that the Atlanta Hawks have done this season. Like they acquired some guys who can really put the ball in the basket. Danilo Gallinari, uh, one of the better three-point shooters in the NBA. Bogdan Bogdanovich can shoot the three-ball, even though he is a, a, I'll say, a little bit more of a I don't want to get ahead of myself, but a little bit more of a complete game and that he can get, he can slash a little bit also. Um, he did average in the 2019, 2020 season, 15.1 points. So he puts the ball in the net at a decent clip. Uh, they also have center Clint Capella, who had a ton of success in Houston. And, you know, you can say, you can credit that however you want. You can say that's because of James Harden attracting all the attention, but really the pieces in Atlanta are all of a sudden kind of exciting for today's NBA where they can all shoot the, well, all of them minus Clint Capella can all shoot the deep ball. Clint Capella will obviously be their inside presence. And they also added Rajon Rondo, who's going to be able to dish the ball 
to all of these three-point shooters, along with Trey Young, who is one of the better passers in the NBA already and has a a developing three-point shot. He's, I think that he thinks more highly of his three-point shot than the stats usually say. Like He thinks that he shoots at a Steph Curry level, and I don't think he's quite there yet. But he is a good three-point shooter nonetheless. So I really like all of the moves that the Atlanta Hawks have made. And even though they technically had to overpay to, to acquire Bogdan Bogdanovich, I do like the move. Brian, your thoughts? Uh, I'm, I'm actually, this is going to sound weird, but I'm actually in agreement with Nick. Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know how Nick and I have our beef on and off the show, but... I got to say, I like some of the moves that these guys are They're They're, I mean, last year I just had the stats up They're tw- They're the second youngest team in the league to the Minnesota Timberwolves by point two by point two point three years. Sorry. And now they're going to go out there and spend some serious money. Now that I'm looking at some of the top signings, they they've got who they got. They got Ray John Rondo, who, although old, can show this young team some 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 uh, some leadership. And I love the idea of having him in the room, and, and being all and being the leader of that group because he's been in big games. He was just was I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but he was just on the Lakers last year, and and he was. I got to experience the finals run again, the same way he did with the Heat multiple times. So I like I like some of the moves that they're using, and they're they're and they're not showing out these gigantic contracts. I mean, Rajon Rondo got two years. Uh, Chris Dunn, new guy. I don't really know who that is. Got two years. It's it's falling right into it's falling right in line. Like yeah, like Danilo Gallinari. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm really bad with the basketball names, but no, that was it's right. Falling, no, it's falling. Right. It's falling into like that, that sweet spot that like if I was a GM, that that would be my sweet spot. You get in those short term contracts, give them big money now because when you got to pay these young guys after they've had their runs with the veterans and stuff like that, because they're gonna have to. They're going to have to get, to get big money, too. So I like what Atlanta's doing. It's better than staying stagnant and just floating around like 25, 26 average age team and not doing anything. So I like that they have direction. I agree. I think overall, um, even though Atlanta did overpay for someone like Bogdanovich, it's not to say Bogdanovich is a bad player. Um, at this point, he projects as more of a scorer playmaker than he does a shooter. But, you know, they usually say shooters usually get better with age. So, I, you know, he'll provide some ball handling, some shooting and some scoring to take the load off of guys like Trey Young and John Collins. Forgot they uh, had John Collins. I mean, this lineup looks great. And then you still think they got guys like Kevin Horter, uh, Cam Reddish. I mean, this team, I was high on the Hawks last year and obviously um, injuries uh bit them when they were started hitting their stride, but this could be a potential playoff team in the East. Um, the next signing I wanted to go into, and this was met with some, uh, some fire, uh, especially those who are uh, Detroit Pistons fans. For those of you who have been long time listeners of the full contact podcast, uh, we have had uh, Kai Carlin uh, correspondent for USA today who covers the Sixers, but is a Detroit Pistons fan. And a lot of, a lot of Pistons fans were upset about uh, Detroit, not retaining Christian Wood, but we'll get into that in more detail. Uh, the Rockets signed Christian Wood to a three year, $41 million deal. Originally it was reported as $29 million, but I guess they sweetened the pot for him. Um, but this overall is a crazy deal. Nick, what were your thoughts on this? 
I, I, I love this one a lot, especially if Houston retains, um, you know, James Harden, because one of the things that James Harden loves to do is drive to the basket and dump it off to a big man kind of underneath. And I'm, I don't want to overstate like what I'm saying. I'm not saying that Clint Capella was not a good player or anything like that, or Dwight Howard when he was in Houston, but I am going to say Christian Wood is to me more of a skilled center where Clint Capella is a guy that you can lob it up to and he's very athletic and he'll uh, throw it down. But I think that Christian Wood has a little bit more uh, dimension to his game. Um, he is a little bit smaller than Clint Capella. If I'm, if I am correct, let me just pull up his, yeah, he's 6'10", 214. So overall he was showing a lot there in Detroit to close the, uh, to close the season. And I think that there was a stretch where he was averaging like 19 points and uh, 10 plus rebounds and he was looking really good. So I think that this was a good get for the Houston Rockets. I think that was a very good addition. Brian, what about you? Well, I think everybody knows that the Houston Rockets need some size to them, don't they? They were playing small ball last year. Clearly didn't work out against the against the Lakers. So now they go out there, they get themselves a young a young big guy, 6'10", like Nick said, and you know a guy who I'm I'm looking at, and he's he's on the rise. You know, he's getting more minutes, which is always good to see. He started off getting about eight and a half for the first two years. Then he got eleven the previous year, and then he got twenty one. And now he's average. His averages are clearly going up because he's going two, three, and then he goes eight, and then he goes thirteen. So he's progressing in in the right direction that you want to see. Oh wait, I seen this right? Yeah. Christian Wood, sorry. <laughs> I'm getting a little confused. I'm getting my tabs confused. It's been a while. So, but I, I like the signing. It's um let me go back to see how much exactly it was. It it falls into a good spot, you know. Then they can kind of re re reassess like where he's gonna be in like three years and see if they want to resign him, see if it works out, see if it doesn't. It's like they're not handcuffing themselves to anything. So I like I personally like the signing. Uh, so far, I haven't seen anything bad except for uh, maybe, like you said, Bogdan. But this is a good signing again. So I I just want to say I was pulling up his stats right now. And Christian Wood in, I guess that's February, averaged 31.2 minutes per game and had 19.3 points per game. So that was by far the most that he averaged in a month, actually, no, I lied. In March, which is a shorter, uh, shorter NBA schedule, say. he averaged Shortest thirty-seven month. minutes a game. <laughs> well, yeah, it's, it's a shorter, shorter month for the NBA's purposes. Had twenty-six point six points a game, and that's in five games. But as Brian kind of alluded to, Christian Wood, as he's gotten more and more minutes, has produced at a pretty high level. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, for most of these guys, it's not like. It's not like it's going to be all of a sudden, like you're not going to get these phenomenal talents like right away and scoring 26, 27 points. It's, it's super rare. So this is a guy you develop, you build. And you, as we can see with more minutes, his average doesn't decrease or anything like that. It, it, it increases, <laughs> you know, and that's what you'd like to see. You'd like to see a guy that you can bring in, work him out, do a whole thing. But he's not like he's not bona fide superstar right out of college or sometimes right out of high school. Now, I hate bringing this up about guys like that, but Christian Wood, especially when you consider he actually used to be a 
uh, 76er during the 2015-2016 season. So I believe that was during the process days. And you see now he came in as an undrafted rookie um, out of UNLV. So obviously uh, there wasn't as much uh, hype around him as there is right now, but he's obviously developed into a better player. Um, And I think it's a great signing for the Rockets, especially when they're uncertain of what's going to happen with uh, Russell Westbrook and James Harden. But at least they have Christian with there, no matter which direction they decide to go. Uh, The next signing we'll go into uh, Danilo Gallinari uh, signing with the Atlanta Hawks for three years and $61.5 million. Uh, Again, the Atlanta Hawks were big buyers in free agency, and I love it. Nick, what were your thoughts? Yeah, it pretty much just goes back to what we were talking about with uh, the Atlanta Hawks before, where they have really surrounded this young core of Kevin Herter and Trey Young and John Collins with good, like, complementary pieces. And Danilo Gallinari can shoot the lights out. So another guy that you have to respect from three with a team that already has guys like we were saying, uh, Kevin Herter and Trey Young, who you have to respect the deep ball. I, I see this really just being such a like challenge for teams to defend all of that floor because they're such a threat to score from pretty much anywhere. Um, yeah, love the signing. Stretches the floor. I think it's great. Brian? Damn it. I'm in absolute agreement with Nick. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, this is this well, is a not, rare day. Well, it's it's not this it's not the same thing. It's it it reiterates a lot of the things a lot of the points that I've brought up earlier about the Hawks. They're a young team. You'd you'd like to see them get more veteran like Nick said complimentary pieces around your young stars. Uh I mean, it's going to help especially with a guy like like Danilo, who who apparently was balling under the radar. <laughs> I mean, I n- I don't hear much about this guy. I mean, I'm sure you guys do because you're more plugged into the NBA scene. But I mean, back to back years of sh- shooting over forty percent from three from three point land. That's that's sneaky good. I think so. I like it. Uh, no, definitely. Um, and I mean that's perfect. Uh, analysis by you, Brian. Uh, see, you know more than you thought. Because um, it's actually funny because he's always been on the radar go- going back to his days with the Denver Nuggets. I mean, he was always good enough. And then you wonder, he's never made an all-star game. But this is a guy who is a bit of a rare case because normally when NBA players get over the age of 30, they're done signing those big contracts, unless they're like superstars. So Gallinari getting a deal for over $20 million a year and never making an all-star team. Big get for him. And like I said, I love the deal for Atlanta, especially if they're committed to making the playoffs next season. The last specific signing we're going to before uh, we all give our any other takeaways we have is Sergi Baca uh, signing a two-year $19 million deal with the LA Clippers. Obviously won a championship with Toronto when they got a year of Kawhi, and now he's going to the Clippers to play with Kawhi again. Nick, what did you think about this event? Um, I felt like this was – it's a good addition because Serge Ibaka has obviously championship pedigree with the um, Toronto Raptors. Uh, he's still a good player. He's no longer the same Serge Ibaka 
if you will, that he once was. But the Clippers did lose some valuable pieces, and I think a guy like uh, Montrez Harrell, who we'll talk about shortly, comes to mind. And I think that Serge Ibaka is going to bring a defensive presence to this game. And even last year, uh, in well, in 2019, he did average 15.4 points a game in 27 minutes. So it's not like he's an offensive slouch, and that's going to be huge in replacing a guy like Montrez Harrell. Uh, as the Clippers continue to have title aspirations. Brian, what did you think? Hmm. Damn it. (laughs) Damn. (laughs) Yes, I like it. It's fine. (laughs) (laughs) It's fine. Whatever. (laughs) No, I mean, I mean, what's, 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 what's not to like about it? I mean, they, they need, I mean, it's a little bit more, I felt like they, uh, uh, maybe the Clippers needed some kind of cohesion together. I, I don't know. I didn't like, I like, I'll keep saying they, they didn't seem like they were all together last year. They put a nice roster together. I mean, you add Paul George, you, you, I, I always like Lou Williams just cause I'm a Sixers fan. And obviously having Kawhi is huge, but I think bringing a guy in like Serge Ibaka, who's played with Kawhi and could do that, could play the big man in the middle. I mean, looking at some of, I'm looking at some of his stats, like I always am. I mean, back to back seasons with eight over eight rebounds per game. That that sounds pretty good to me. I'm gonna guess. I mean, eight eight rebounds a game. Uh, I don't know if they're counting offensive or or just strictly total. But I mean, I'll take that. That's that's good numbers. And, you know, he's still averaging about 15, 16 points a game. So, I mean, I'll take that easily from any center. Not named Joel. (laughs) Completely agreed. And obviously, um, Ibaka fits two needs. One is, as you alluded to, Brian, is that need for chemistry, uh, especially because uh, Serge Ibaka and Kawhi Leonard didn't win a title during the 2018-2019 season with the Toronto Raptors. And... Uh, the Clippers definitely needed some quality big men after Montrez uh, signed with the, the Lakers and uh, J. Michael Green signed a two-year $15 million deal with the Denver Nuggets. So all around, good signing for the Clippers to help them compete with the likes of the Lakers and Nuggets when you talk about you know Anthony Davis and Nikola Jokic, respectively. Um, I thought Ibaka could have gotten more money, but this deal does include a player option for the second year. So maybe that's when he'll cash in. So those are our specific uh, signings. Just wanted to cover those. But now I'm definitely going to open up the floor so it's less formal uh, for Nick or for Brian. Were there any other takeaways that you had from NBA free agency so far? Nick, I'll start. Or actually, you know what, Brian, I'll start with you first since I usually I've been starting with Nick this whole time. Oh, I was okay if you started with Nick, but I'll I'll go. Mine is more of a uh, okay. I'll make two points. First of all, I'll make my point that doesn't really matter too much. I mean, Kyle Korver, uh, he's old. Let's be honest. <laughs> I like I like Kyle. I like Kyle Korver, and I wish he would come back to the Sixers because, and this will lead into my next point, because of what the Sixers seem to be kind of building over there. They add Daryl Morey to the front office, which is a huge get, uh, uh, so I've heard. And uh, they pull in a veteran like Dwight Howard, who is probably head and shoulders better than Al Horford nowadays. 
Uh, I remember when we signed Al Horford, I was excited, but now that I've had hindsight, I'm kind of like, eh, I'm good, you know, like I'm good on, I'm all full on the Hal Horford now. So get rid of, get him out of here. Uh, I was a little upset to see Josh Richardson go, but they picked up some good play. They get picked up some good pieces. I like Danny Green is a good pickup. I, I coming coming from uh, you know coming from a NBA championship and, and I like Dwight Howard coming from the NBA championship too. And, and I, cause Ben Simmons and Joel, I was a little nervous and I was kind of on, on the, I was kind of on the side of like, you have to get rid of one of these guys because I don't think they'll work. But now we've, we've retooled things. We're making some serious moves around. I, I'm, I'm interested. And you know what, if this is going to be a championship team, I mean, Kyle Korver ends up on some whatever team. I'd like to see them come bring him back. Just just another shot on the bench. Okay, Nick, what about you? Yeah, so I, I also wanted to talk about the 76ers because you can't talk about their free agency without acknowledging what they did in the trade market first, right? Because if you look at their free agent signings and you know they acquired like Ryan Brokoff, like this is not a a move that moves like that moves the needle for the Sixers, right? But overall, the Sixers what they've done in this offseason in freeing up some cap room, offloading Al Horford, even though it did take a first and second round pick, um, that was all good stuff. And I think that what Daryl Morey's really doing here is he's saying, all right, look. Our roster for the whole, like our the core of our roster is young. We have Joel, we have Ben Simmons. We we are very high on both of these guys, as they should be. Why do we want to have an Al Horford situation where we spend the money for the heck of it, right? When we don't know how the fit is going to be. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna back off. We're gonna see what this team does with guys like Ryan Brokoff and Seth Curry and Danny Green, and maybe you do add an Al, or not an Al, sorry, I don't, I don't want to scare anybody, but a <laughs> Kyle Korver, um, somebody cheap, you know? So I like that approach, and Daryl Morey is going to make moves when it's appropriate, but he's not ready to just make moves for the hell of it either. And I think that that is the right way to go right now for the 76ers. Yeah, I, I, when I look at the Sixers, Let's call it the off season, since I would say more of their moves came in uh, via dr- trade than they did, you know, and a draft than they did uh, free agency. Um, as uh, Brian and Nick, you both alluded to um, them trading Al Horford uh, and picks to OKC for uh, Danny Green, um, and then you think of various trades like them acquiring Seth Curry, um, and then even in the draft, Nick, we did on our previous. Uh, main show where you talked about Tyrese Maxey. Um, and, you know, I think the general sense is everybody, is everybody likes uh, that draft, especially with Tyrese Maxey, you know, fits in there as a scorer and defender. And then you even look at the most recent free agent edition of Dwight Howard. Now, contrary, or I feel differently than Brian does. I mean, Dwight Howard, he is what he is at this point. He'll, he's a rim running big, he'll defend, he'll get physical. I mean, he's not overly productive at this point in his career, but that's why you sign him for the one-year veteran minimum. Um, Overall, I think the Sixers have had a successful offseason given 
what they had to come back from. Obviously, the the main uh, thing that was sticking out was Al Horford's contract. They've offloaded that with some picks. And it looks like they've started to assemble some talent around um, the stars of Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. Um, Daryl Morey's out, out here making moves, and I think the Sixers are still pretty much where they were projected to be last year, probably a top three or four team. But now at least they are adding guys who are better fits. Um, I see Nick here. You had you wanted to discuss the Lakers, so why don't you want? Why don't you give us uh, your thoughts on their offseason? All right, so I just have to say, like, the Lakers adding all of the players that they did and retaining Contavious Caldwell-Pope, this is, like, the perfect example of the rich getting richer. Obviously, they are trying to capitalize on their window to win more championships as long as they have LeBron James, and who knows, maybe their window is open even after LeBron James retires, assuming that he does retire as a Laker. Um, But you think about guys that they added in Montrez Harrell, who averaged around 20 points a game last year. And I think that he was the sixth man of the year for the Clippers. Correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah. Yes. I've heard that. Okay. He beat out Lou so, Williams actually. So it was actually right. Ironic. They have two sixth men ironically, <laughs> but you know, be that as it may. Um, so Montrez Harrell is a huge addition there. Marcus Gasol, even though this is no longer like big time, you know, great center Marcus all he's still a very productive player he's a stretch big who can get down and dirty he can still uh defend with the best of them so that's a huge addition and then Dennis Schroeder was another guy who had a very good season last year I think that overall the Lakers had a tremendous free agency I love all of their additions and uh their, their roster is pretty stacked I really like what they did there in uh, LA for the Lakers yeah, I think they've had a successful offseason so far, just uh, recounting the moves um, that you said, like Montrez Harrell, uh, Mark Gasol, Dennis Schroeder, um, keeping KCP, even though I think they may have overpaid for him, but sometimes you have to do that if someone knows their worth. Um, the Lakers look ready to run it back, and they may even be stronger than they were last season. Obviously, hopefully, the uh, COVID-19 does not affect this season well, it's already affected it because um, the schedule has been shortened, um, but hopefully nothing beyond that. Um, before we move into our uh, Thanksgiving football previews for tomorrow, um, Brian, did you have any last thoughts on NBA free agency? I'll reiterate something on the Sixers, and it may, and I, and I know I'm beating the dead horse right now, but uh, I will say that. Look at looking at some of the moves that they've made and looking at some of the teams that some of these guys came from. Uh, I'm talking about Lakers, Thunder, Mavericks, Jazz, Mavericks again. Like, these are all NBA playoff teams. These are guys who are experienced now. And I love that they did that. And I love that maybe he did it unintentionally, but he's not pulling from these bottom feeder teams who are not doing anything. So I like that we're pulling guys in with playoff experience that have won a series or two and, you know, can kind of, I, w- I would say just give this team a little more poise than they seem like they were lacking, especially last season when, when Joel was out. So part of, part of me thinks that like, that's an improvement on top of the improvements that they have already made. All right. And Nick, what about you? Any last thoughts before we move on? Uh, no, no. I think that we hit it pretty good. Um, yeah, 
NBA free agency is uh, it's, it's very interesting, and there are still some some guys out there. So just something to keep your eyes on moving forward. All right, so we'll go into the last section of the show, uh, the Thanksgiving football previews, just to give you a rundown of the schedule. And as we alluded to earlier with the quick hitters, there were supposed to be three games tomorrow. It was supposed to be uh, Houston, the Houston Texans and the Detroit Lions at 12.30 p.m. Eastern time, followed by the the Washington football team at the Dallas Cowboys at 4.30 p.m. Eastern time, and then the nightcap was supposed to be the Baltimore Ravens at the Pittsburgh Steelers at 8.20 p.m. Eastern time, but because of uh, numerous uh, positive coronavirus tests, the Ravens-Steelers game has been moved to Sunday at 1.15 p.m. Eastern time. So now we just have the two games. The first one uh, should be a good one. Hopefully Detroit actually shows up, or at least more than they did last year, last week. Um Houston at Detroit, obviously the Texans are favored, um, or actually I have to check that. I'm not sure if the Texans are favored, but either way. Uh, first, Brian, I'll start with you. Uh, what are you looking for from this game between the Texans and the Lions? Yeah, so just to give you a heads up, the Texans are favored by three points. So Okay. And away, too. So basically, I, there's a general rule that's like you give the home team like a point and a half or something like that, like right away. So the fact that the Houston is at minus three means that the odds makers like where the Texans are heading right now. And they're what three and three and one under their interim coach now, who basically is coaching for the head coaching job next year. Three and three under three and three. Oh, oh, sorry. I'm getting mixed up with Atlanta. God. That's okay, but it's also three and three after going zero and four. Bill O'Brien, so it's still better than what they were doing. <laughs> Very true, but I will say that I, I expect Texans to run away with this game, and it feels weird to say that considering how bad they were earlier this year. But from what we've seen out of Detroit, it's like um, it seems like the dam of Matthew Stafford is starting to break. It seems like leaning on him too much is now causing a backfire. And if we're going to go by quarterbacks in this situation, I would take Deshaun Watson over Matt, Matt Stafford at this point. Uh, more passing yards, better completion percentage, better touchdown to interception ratio. It's just all there. It's just all there for the Texans to take it. All right. Um, and Brian, before we move on to Nick, uh, why don't you give us a – final score of the game um let's see hmm. um give me 28 to 17 all right respectable nick why don't you give us your thoughts on what you expect from this game along with a prediction all right so first off i have to start with the the detroit backfield because currently DeAndre Swift, who has looked electric this year when he's given the work. Um, he's currently still in concussion protocol, and he remains to be cleared from it. He did log a limited practice today on Wednesday. And basically, the reason I'm starting with him is because I think that Detroit's game plan, if he is active, is going to be to pound the rock because Houston has such a bad run defense. And I think that that will be their their strategy. Now, if Houston gets up in this game, uh, and it requires Detroit to pass the ball, nothing good is going to happen there. Like I know that Houston still doesn't have a very good secondary, but Detroit's passing offense still is not 
really up to scratch. You think about guys like Kenny Galladay, uh, who is a very good receiver, and he's going to miss this game with injury. So I really think that Houston ends up running away with this game pretty similarly to Brian. Uh, and DeAndre Swift will ultimately, or I should just say the Detroit Lions running backs will ultimately be probably game scripted out of this game, which is to their detriment if they can't keep DeAndre Swift on their fi- on the field. So I'm going to, I'm going to go one up on Brian just a little bit here because I, I mean, Brian's spread was a little large, but I'm going to go 31 to 17. Houston. All right. All right. Um, what I'm looking you for said, from this you game. You said my spread was too large and you went larger? <laughs> no, I mean, I thought your spread was large, yeah. but I think it's going to be even oh, larger. Okay. All right. All right. Just to make sure. I get that. <laughs> um, when I look at this game, um, I think the spread of minus three in favor of Houston, I think they're going to go over on that. And the over under, as of right now, via Pick Center on ESPN is showing us 51 and a half. Uh, I think it'll go over that just because we have two bad defenses, but I'm really looking for Deshaun Watson to put on the show as he's pretty much been doing this entire season. I mean, he really hasn't gotten help from anyone else except for like Will Fuller and Brandon Cooks has started to come on as of late. And I actually saw this uh, reading the preview for the game on ESPN.com. Even though, and rightfully so, the trade should be highly, highly, flamed on when it comes to former general manager and head coach Bill O'Brien trading DeAndre Hopkins to the Cardinals for what's left of David Johnson and his large contract. Deshaun Watson actually has the highest passer rating of his entire career. So, I mean, you take that for his worth. I mean, I don't read anything into that other than Deshaun Watson is just a great quarterback. And obviously, as I, I spoke to earlier, hopefully Detroit shows up better than they did last week because last week uh, they were shut out for the first time since 2009. Um, 20 to nothing. I think they played the Jaguars, if I'm not mistaken. Um, uh, trying to figure out who they played. The Panthers. Panthers. So a team that has been giving up oodles of yards on the ground, the combination of Adrian Peterson and Kerryon Johnson got 35 yards rushing on 13 carries. Um, I, it's just pitiful. So hopefully DeAndre Swift plays because that gives Detroit um, any semblance of an offense, as Nick pointed to. Kenny Galladay is out. So it's pretty much DeAndre Swift or bust. It's crazy to say that about a rookie running back. Um, I have Houston in his game. Uh I think it'll be a lower scoring game. I don't think they'll quite hit the over of 51 and a half. Um, so I'll go with Houston over Detroit 28 to 7. Damn. Wow. <laughs> oh, yeah. Sharif, I love it. I it's love gonna it. be a it's gonna be a Thanksgiving massacre. And I know it's a time for us to be together with our families and enjoying good times, but Detroit will be going home upset and embarrassed. Um, hey, I, I, I need to say something. I, I was looking through Twitter and someone said something to the effect of, you know, Thanksgiving is better with only two football games. And I, I read it. I thought about it for a second. and I was like, you know what? This man has a point. What? And it would always be better if the Lions just didn't play on Thanksgiving. And they do every <laughs> year. It's just brutal. Like, I don't, I don't understand the point of putting them in prime time to lose every year. But I, I that's my own personal uh, feelings towards it. It's, it's just 
kind of nutty. Nick, I got to say that uh, as an Eagles fan, you should remember the time that they molly us on Thanksgiving. Yeah, that's true. But <laughs> I have selective memory. They don't always lose. They only lose when we have Bradley <laughs> Fletcher in the backfield. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> so uh, we'll go into uh, the game that comes after the Texas and the Lions. The Washington football team visits the Star and the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, not really an exciting game. Both teams are three and seven in the god awful, putrid, personally offensive NFC East to my eyes. But you know what? Whatever. Um, before we go into that, talk about uh, our division like that. I mean, the division's watch, the division's garbage, man. Watch your mouth, you San Diego Chargers fan. Los Angeles. San Diego. Yeah, okay. Let's keep pretending they're from Los Angeles. <laughs> okay. I mean, they are for the time being. I'm not um, I'm not Nick, buying that facade for one second. <laughs> I mean, whether you you buy it or not, they're paying bills in Los Angeles now. So I mean I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> uh Nick, I'll start with you this time around. Why don't you give us what you're looking for from this game and your score prediction? Well, I gotta be totally honest this is a tough one to predict because the dallas cowboys offense all around is incredibly talented but it really comes back to the signal caller who is andy dalton and he's going against a very talented washington defense they have a very good pass rush so i think that this is this is going to be a fairly like low scoring affair which really shouldn't be with a dallas offense but that's where we're at with the injuries there um, I think that Dallas is overall the better team, though. Washington, they are going to be what they are, and that's going to be Alex Smith giving the ball to, <laughs> I hate to say it, but J.D. McKissick, um, obviously guys like Terry McLaurin, and then um, Antonio Gibson. So that's going to be the majority of their offense there. I think that Dallas ends up winning this game. It's going to be lower scoring than you'd expect. I'm going to say 21-17. to 17, um, and then. Dallas has a, a very legitimate chance to be the leaders in the NFC East after this week. Wow, Brian, your thoughts? Uh, um, I have a hard time talking about the NFC East because I have absolutely no idea what the hell is going on. It's a, it's it's the most putrid division I may have ever seen in my entire life. Um, <laughs> the fact that the Eagles play in it makes it so much better. And so, uh, I uh, I I have to believe that Andy Dalton will somehow, some way, get a win. <laughs> I don't know how. He may. Uh, I think Washington's been looking better than Dallas, even though Dallas just had a nice win against Minnesota. As much as I hate saying that. Uh, I would like to say that Minnesota probably blew that game more than Dallas won that game. But you know what? The defense is it, they stuck in there. They stuck in there. That was a tough. That was a tough get from Minnesota, especially a team who's been trending like Minnesota has on the up, on the up and up. Um, let's see. I am computing right now my score. I don't know why. It's probably gonna be wrong. Give me. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, shoot. Um, I'm surprised that Washington's 
Well, no, not really. Give me Dallas 21 to 21 to 20. Close game. Oof. It's going to be a nail biter, I see. <laughs> uh, when I look at this game, um, obviously it's going to be between Alex Smith versus the Cowboys. Uh, highly flammable defense. Uh, Andy Dalton versus Washington's actually very solid offense. I mean, they're the be- they have the best pass defense in the league, and I think they're pretty good against the run. Um, still expecting Zeke to get his. Um, obviously, with Andy Dalton at quarterback, it's a lot better than Ben DiNucci and Garrett Gilbert. So hopefully we start seeing guys like Zeke, uh, CeeDee Lamb, and Amari Cooper go off. Um, I do think this game will actually be higher scoring than most people are giving it credit for right now. Dallas is favored by three points, and the over is sitting at 46. So uh, looking at this, I'm going to take the football team, though, over the Cowboys. I'll say... 28-24, Washington football team. Interesting. Okay. I mean, I like that result more since, you know, we are – sure, or Brian and I are Eagles fans, but we will see. Yeah. I mean, I'm okay with it. You know? Right. So uh, that'll be it for the Thanksgiving football previews. We hope all of you enjoy your turkey day tomorrow. Before we end the show, until we see you uh, Tuesday for our fantasy football portion, um, we'll give any lasting remarks that we have. Uh, Brian, it's so good to have you back, man. Do you have anything lastly to say before we cut this thing out? You know, I'm I'm not a huge – I was never huge on the college basketball, and it does start tomorrow, which I'm super excited about because we'll have something other than football because football has been wanting me to tear my eyes out. <laughs> I'm so I'm so done with the football thing for a little while. I'm I'm gonna be happy to watch some competitive basketball. So watch college basketball. <laughs> uh, Nick, what about you? Um, first off, I'm just wishing everybody a. First of all, good uh, Thanksgiving, but also a safe one in these times, which are obviously, you know, unprecedented, which has been said probably way too uh, way too many times than it should have been. But that is the world that we're living in at this point. So everybody make sure you get some good turkey. Um, <laughs> I, I do have a little bit of a shameless plug. So, you know, I always ask everybody to follow us on Twitter and Instagram and everything. But I did something a little bit differently on Twitter today, and I'm kind of excited about it and i put up a fantasy football themed start sit poll with you know your classic thanksgiving day items you know turkey cranberry sauce stuffing you know you can keep going down the line and i would just like everybody to participate in it see what everybody's preferences are because i don't know it's a little bit of engagement and kind of fun and it'd be cool if we could get people to spread that around so if you have a chance, check that out. We'd appreciate it. Nick, always appreciate you being a podcast man. Uh, my final thoughts, um, I'm excited for Thanksgiving tomorrow. Um, mostly because of the football, I just want to sit there and do nothing on a Thursday. It's just something that rings to my ear with do nothing and watch football, especially since it'll be one game after another as opposed to Sundays where you have to pick which one you're going to focus on. Uh, really appreciate 
uh, have you here, Nick and Brian. Brian, we hope we can have you on more. We know you're a busy man nowadays, so we appreciate any time you can give to us. But for Brian, hopefully he's back again sometime soon. You have uh, Nick Sapina, myself, Shree Phillips-Keaton. We will talk to you again on Tuesday when we give our fantasy football takes. Hopefully my teams do not get trashed the way they did last week, but we'll see. Um, Until next time, we're out. You have been listening to Full Contact Podcast. Have a good night, everybody.